0: Welcome to Growth Capital, the podcast from the Quoted Companies Alliance. Our organisation champions public companies. Some of them are small, some of them are mid-sized. They could be worth a handful of millions or hundreds of millions of pounds. Our aim is to make life better for our members on the stock market. Less cost to complexity, more buyers and sellers, a better story overall so they can focus on growth, creating jobs and spreading wealth. I'm James Ashton, the QCA's Chief Executive. I'm delighted that this series of conversations is being sponsored by Mazar, the audit, tax and advisory firm helping listed businesses grow with purpose. Today's conversation is all about securing media coverage. I should say the right kind of media coverage. In this multimedia age, how important are those column inches to supporting a company's growth story? How do smaller stocks push through positively when some people think the media is obsessed with negative news and clickbait about overseas industry giants such as Tesla and Meta? To discuss, I'm joined by two guests well known to the QC8 membership. Joanna Hart has for many years been investment editor at The Mail on Sunday where she writes the legendary Midas column. A mention here can transform the fortunes of a stock and regularly get share prices moving on a Monday morning. She's joined by Charlie Conchi, He's investment editor at City AM, the newspaper that is the voice of the square mile. Charlie's carving out a reputation as a scoop getter, an interviewer of many key figures involved in London's capital markets reform. And now on to today's conversation. Joanne, I'll come to you first. We're talking about media coverage today. Do you think um, companies need it? Is it as important as, as it was? Do you feel as powerful as you did a decade ago, say?
1: Uh, I'm not sure powerful is a word that I'd use to describe myself, but um, I think it. yes is the short answer. Companies do need media coverage. Um, why? Because it's uh, almost like a, it's a third-party endorsement. Um, it's not an ad um, uh, for which you pay. Um, it's it's someone else saying this company is a good business to invest in, or at least I'm talking about. Um, I guess here, particularly my column, the Midas column, which is all about um, uh, whether a share is worth investing in or not. Um, and I would say that. Certainly, lots and lots of companies think that it would be a good idea for them to be in uh, in the midas column because uh, my inbox is inundated with emails from um, uh, PRs representing particular companies saying, you know, have you ever thought about this company um, or that company? That being said, I think um, you know we do have to recognise that um, uh, that newspapers or you know any kind of online publications are also fighting for space with social media um where companies can you know cut out the journalist the intermediary and go straight to their end consumer um but i guess that that the the kind of relevance of social media depends quite a lot on the type of company that you are so if you're a consumer yeah. and it's more important
0: and that inbox i mean uh... You know, give give the listener a flavour. I mean, is it is it is it just something that that you can never get to the bottom of? I mean, the, the, a lot of those emails saying, "Have you ever thought about this?" And frankly, um, because time is finite, you probably haven't.
1: Yeah, I mean, my inbox I think has at the moment about ten thousand unread emails, um, and it's a constant battle. Um, and I, I yes, I do get a lot of emails from people asking whether I thought about this that or the other um company um i tend to try and look at most of them um even if it's a cursory glance um, and sometimes it's immediately obvious that, that that company isn't suitable um most of the times i'll take a closer look before deciding one way or the other
0: okay and we'll come on to the the specifics of it of of the investment column shortly but Charlie I mean you're you you are both investment editors I believe that, that that's uh that's the the title but you're looking for something slightly um different is your um email inbox just as threatening though
2: it is I think the the issue almost of my be is it tends to be you know investment editors a slight misnomer in some ways but it does stretch across broadly the whole city all UK financial services um and like everyone at City AM, you know, we we are quite flexible in terms of what we pick up. So it does stretch the boundaries of investment um quite a lot and therefore probably is open to pitching from a lot of different industries as well. And I think, you know, simply as Joanne was saying, there is a huge amount to wade through, an unmanageable amount to wade through every day. Um and I would say I'd like to think so I give everything a, a good glance before um deciding on it unfortunately a lot does always hinge on the subjects um subject line and i remember um, my days in pr lots of you know thought and formulation and pressing went over into you know what can we do with that subject line how you can make it as punchy as possible which is um yeah it is quite interesting that so much of the, the kind of industry and getting attention does hinge on sort of writing one punchy sentence at the top of an email but i think it's a you know, it's actually an important thing to look at. But um, yes, lots of um, lots of interest. The, the appetite to still be in the um, in the media is still quite clearly there from companies.
0: And when you're looking to write, so um, you, you've got the, the the daily cycle, if you like. Is it? Um, I mean, and there's a mix in there. So you're not looking at the, the share tip. You're looking you're looking for great stories, really. What is it, um, you know, what makes that alchemy? What is it that that jumps out of the email subject line, if you like? Or is it more likely to be something that you're writing based on a meeting you've had?
2: I think, you know, I like to have things in the background that are based on meetings I've had, you know, chats I've had that I think particularly when you get into July and August when the Mm -hmm. perhaps hard news agenda does slow down slightly and we need that, you know, slightly more drumbeat of, of meetings, of interviews that, to, to sort of um, keep the the news cycle flowing on our side. Um, but I think what makes a good story at the moment, I mean, I'm looking a lot at this, whether it is true or not, the fears of London's decline, I'm always looking for good views, punchy views, um, people who've got an interesting take on that, um, whether it's one way or the other, um, people who've got insight on what London, you know, should be doing differently. Um, I think the the key thing for me, perhaps, where I differ from Joanne slightly is I always look for a story that's bigger than just one company. So I think there's a perhaps sometimes a a misunderstanding that you know people want coverage, but they want a certain type of coverage, a certain type of coverage that says, "Look at our company, it's great." And very often, unfortunately, that's not what um you know. It's just not the case. So there's always got to be a bit of a willingness to talk beyond the boundaries of your own of your own office and your own very specific remit and, and kind of have a view on some of the issues that are, are dictating what's going on at the moment rather than just talking you know about the nuts and bolts of your own company
0: I suppose that's interesting Joanne I mean it, I suppose you know a, a lot of those uh, Midas pieces are very much focused on the individual stock but they always need to take into account that that the context within uh, which, which they're operating in, and I guess sometimes do the do the bosses of these companies not not see the wider picture when they're trying to engage?
1: Um, I think that the they are obviously aware of what's going on in their wider picture, um, economically um, or operationally. Um, I think the challenge I find is quite often that they they don't necessarily think about the relevance of what they're doing to the wider world in terms of my readers. Um, so what are people interested in? Um, and also how to try and explain complicated businesses in a way that that anybody can understand. I mean I, you know, I talk quite often to people in in, in complex industries, um be, uh, electronic components or Space technology, financial, you know, fintech, this kind of thing. um And for those business leaders, if the the only people that they are used to talking to are people in their industry, trying to get them to talk in a way that that actually um, that that I can understand, and therefore that my readers can understand, that can be quite a challenge. And to, to sort of yeah, to bring their bring their story alive, as it were. Um, I I think that's the the Bigger challenge in a way than whether they are aware of what's going on in the world around them macroeconomically
0: or politically. I see. So talk talk human is is a good um, is a good tip, Charlie. When the so the email the 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 email header has uh, has worked and um, the company has got the meeting or the call with you and so on. Um, How often do you think that the person you're talking to has never heard of you before and has no idea about the sort of things that you write?
2: very very often i'd say (laughs) Um, i think the other thing i have is that the news death line comes straight through to my phone so i have a lot of phone calls as well with people pitching and which i'm told is quite a rarity these days i don't think a huge amount of people actually answer the news desk phone but often the the first question will be who covers x or you know where should i send a pitch about retail and that's when I think you get the slight abrasive abrasiveness from the the journalist side when there isn't that, that level of just quite, you know, simple desk research that can be done just to get a sense of, you know, what the person writes about, what they like to cover. yeah, coming back to your question, I think often some will go in and start talking, as I said before, just about their company. And there's a, you know, no understanding of what's maybe been with what I've written about recently, what the paper's interested in, what the paper's been writing about recently. So I think Knowing and engaging on the paper's terms almost sometimes would be a helpful thing and having a bit more of an understanding of what they're maybe trying to get out of the call as well as what the um, interviewee is trying to get out of the call, um, which would yeah, probably be slightly, um, you know, I'd be thankful if that did happen probably slightly more as well.
0: Well, you've been very diplomatic. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm, after, yeah. I I'm sure <laughs> you're very polite on the uh, on, on the phone as well. I mean, I remember absolutely clattering the phone down on people if they if 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 they'd got gone, uh, you know, hadn't done their reading. But I'm interested, Charles. So Charlie, you said um, it's it, it. You know, a lot of the stuff you're looking for is bigger than one company. It's companies being understanding how they fit into the 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 trend of the day or the month um you know or something are you also guided by uh the, the size of the company or the reach of the company i suppose it helps for you to know who they are and have that brand recognition and where i'm coming at from the qca point of view i mean you both know this it's something i hear a lot from members um i just can't get the coverage the media is not interested in me so um i'd love you to take that that apart
2: a little bit there was um when i was i worked for two and a half years three years in pr and When I started, someone gave me a very good piece of advice, which was no one cares about your company as much as you do, as much as the founder does, which I know it sounds quite sort of abrupt and blunt, but I think it's actually a very useful baseline to start from because you've got to give someone a reason to care. And I think often with the smaller companies who perhaps are in those slightly more niche sectors um, that don't have that immediate recognition, don't have that kind of consumer power that's going to make someone want to read the story. They do have to give someone a reason to care. And I think part of that is as we touched on initially, is kind of talking to a much wider picture, having an interesting view, to Joanne's point, talking in plain English about a subject that people can relate to. because um, you know, I'm sure Joanne's seen so much of it as well as the you know, innovative tech solutions and optimizing optimal things. And it's just it's not how people speak, it's certainly not how, you know, <laughs> what catches and editors interest. So I think so much of it is speaking in plain English on topics that people know about, being, I think, brave enough in some ways to to stray away from the really safe company line and have a view on something. Those are the ways to, to get, you know, get noticed, I'd say. And unfortunately, to your point, it really does make a difference having that brand recognition. Um, those are the stories that that people, you know, care about. Not to say that we don't write about smaller stories. I, I write about smaller companies all the time. I have a sort of startup beat within my, um, within my patch I'm Often writing about some of those smaller companies in the, in the context of fundraising often, but there is, you know, there is, it does unfortunately help to be, to be those bigger names. I don't think it's just
0: one beat, Charlie. There's a, no, there's a number of beats you're, you're pursuing. And I think to, to your point, the, you know, so often, you know, I heard, and, and I'm sure you, you still hear now that, um. Uh, you must talk to this CEO. They have really interesting views, quite extreme actually. And then you get them on the phone and um, straight from the straight from the script.
2: Yeah, exactly. The um, yeah. there is probably a bit of a disconnect where you know the pitch hasn't necessarily yeah. been signed off by the um, the company itself, and there maybe isn't perhaps joined up thinking entirely. But I think that is maybe getting those talking points right. Making sure they're clearly laid out is always a, a very useful thing going into those sort of interviews.
0: Joanne, tell me about Midas. You know, st- still there, still very, very well read, and still regularly moving share prices on a Monday morning. And I think, from the point of view of a of a reader, um, and actually from my point of view, as actually you know, for several years as a competitor, um, it was always great to. Um, open up the mail on Sunday at the weekend because you never quite knew what was going to be there um, it, it could be large, it could be small um, tell me how you you strike that balance if there is a balance that you're looking to strike
1: um, I think there is um, I try not to be thematic um, which other people might view as she tries to be unpredictable but I'm not that's not what I'm aiming for um, I just don't want to be um, associated with with any one particular sector or any one particular type of company, be it large, small, medium, whatever. Um, so I guess the, the the theme is it is um, I'd say actually constantly UK companies. Um, I don't like only to talk about big companies because I think um, to your point, James, you know the smaller companies are the ones that often find it hard to get um, attention elsewhere and and they often have really good stories to tell um for me what makes me interested in any particular company um i think actually you know charlie's point is is a good one what what's in the original email that that can grab your attention from the subject line i, I think um one of the big misses for me is if a company is putting out say um results interims or finals or whatever um and the the strap line just says um, company x finals and gives you no clue about what what's in there. Well, you know, life's too short quite often to then actually bother to look at it, um, especially if you've not heard of the company in question. Um so I think it it starts for me with um is the email interestingly written um does the company sound as if it might be going places um uh if if a pr sends me an email saying this company is brilliant and the share price has risen 600 percent I'm like, well, okay great um am i going to recommend a share that's already written risen 600 percent to my readers probably not um uh, conversely you know this company is brilliant but it's um its share price is 0.1p because it's just had a series of profit warnings but i'm sure it's going to be fantastic from now on that's also a little bit of a, uh, a one to watch um but i think um it, yeah looking for companies that where the story is not just the profits went up or the profits went down um a, a way you, you you've got a somebody who's able to Explain what they do in a charismatic way, and also explain the relevance of it um, to to today's world. I think That's really the, Those are the themes that I look for, rather than whether yeah. a company's big, small, or, or in a particular sector.
0: Because it's, so it's, there's got so there's got to be that Jack and Ori. It's got to be interesting, but I guess at the at the, at the 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 other key thing, uh, I think probably is I want to make my readers some money.
1: Totally, yes. Um, That is a a very big part of it. And does this company sound as if it's doing something that – is it it selling a product or a service that people want? Is it selling it at the right price in the right way? Uh, Is the company well run or does it seem to be well run? Um, Are there any obvious uh, really big challenges or really big um, headwinds? Um, You know, these kind of things. All come into play when I'm trying to work out whether this is a business worth tipping or if it's a business that I've already tipped is this has the share share have the shares got further to go or not
0: and the small versus large decision I mean do you if if, it, if it's a company that's brilliantly presented to you in in the way that in the way that you describe mm-hmm. I mean I know it from looking at the pages you, you 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 will write about companies of all size but I guess in terms of you getting comfortable with 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 committing to print um you know a, a quite a positive write up for a company you've never heard before that might be a small cap that means uh more work on your side more research i guess you have to be comfortable and i guess uh, you know i wonder what the company does to get you comfortable
1: um first of all i would say that below a certain size um i was told, I think, um, when I first started doing this column, uh, which was quite a long time ago, um, it, because of the breadth of the readership, um, if it's a very, very small company, it's it's too small because the the liquidity isn't there and the the, the share it, it just isn't isn't right for the mail on Sunday. So there is that slight caveat. But beyond that, um, what what does a company have to do to make me feel comfortable? I think the more um, information that they can provide me about what they do and why it matters, um, the better. Um, And a recognition that if you are, say, um, a gold mining company in the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, for instance, you're going to have to do a lot more to make a journalist feel comfortable about writing about you than if you're making, you know, if you're doing fintech in in um, uh, central London, it, it, or, or possibly not actually fintech that may not be the right right example, but if you're making widgets in Birmingham, um, you know, it it, it's, it it does slightly depend on on the type of thing that you're doing and where you're doing it.
0: Yeah, that that's um, that's helpful. I mean, Ch- uh, Charlie, is there a, is there a corollary for you in terms of um, you know, how do those uh, companies you've never heard of, you know, break through because clearly in the fintech space you are dealing with the, the the next big thing quite a lot. There will be a lot of brands that suddenly pop up and they say, "Oh, you know, we're we're, we're going to be it," and then you have to make a make a judgment on that. Um, you know, pr- pretty short notice some days, I guess.
2: Yeah, the <clears throat> I think particularly in fintech, and I don't know if I'm making a kind of slightly unfair generalisation about fintech, but you know, they're Maybe it's true of, it's true, I think of early stage founders across the board, really, that they're incredibly passionate and dedicated to what they're doing. Um, and they can maybe lose sight of where the interest might stop, if you see my point. So it is trying to, you know, differentiate between the people who are incredibly enthusiastic and the ones who are, you know, genuinely going on to great things, I suppose you could say. But for much of it, it, it depends on, you know, funding rounds and the size of the funding rounds a companies had. I think often there's Smaller companies we write about will be when they're going through a round of, of funding and we do tend to have, I know this, this doesn't necessarily apply to to your um, members, but it's, you know, we tend to have a kind of 5 million pound cut off just to make sure that they are of a certain size, you know, potential being deemed to be of a certain potential by VCs. Um, so I think that's, that depicts a, a kind of general rule of thumb we have, um, not a set in stone one. but. Yeah, I think it, it comes back to that, that point I've made a few times. I think it just, to, yep. you know, have that view, put yourself in the big shirt. Then if you're a smaller company that does have that, and there's that, you know, that sort of rule of thumb again, that, you know, if a few people are saying the same thing, then it's like be a trend of some sort. And sometimes picking up those individual views from smaller companies suddenly becomes a piece about a, a bigger theme that's running through the city or running through London at the moment, rather than just one about one company. Always great
0: to get that VC money. I would say the great kite mark, of course, Charlie is actually having that London share quote, um, which which, uh, we would encourage at the QCA. Um, Interested in, you know, all of this, uh, you know, fintechs, startups, smaller companies and so on. Um, I mean, there is, you know, there is this, there is a theory that, you know, so much of, um, you know, media output now is skewed to what Gets the clicks online. So, is there ever a conversation internally? You know, the editor says, "Oh, Charlie, give up on all these these uh, plucky British startups. Let's have just a little bit more on Tesla today because this plays very well online." Or is that is that a is that a total nonsense?
2: I think with our focus, we're always going to be you know skewed towards, and we like telling the stories. Or, um, and I personally do you know like telling those stories of of what's going on in the city, what's going on in London. And, you know, where the big companies or the next big companies might be coming from. And I think a lot of, you know, the the writing that I do personally is about, you know, the reforms that are coming in, how that might generate this next generation or this first generation, you could even say of, of great British um, tech companies, you know, Tesla, Facebook. So, yeah, we do, when there is a big set of US results, for instance, we will always cover that. Um, All the, you know, the kind of. Big companies that do move markets globally we will, we will cover but um you know we will very much stay i think to our our core focus which has always been citizen's focus which is what's going on in london and the uk as well
0: good answer i mean that 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 two and a half years in pr has really come in come in very handy today i think Getting into my talking <laughs> <times>. <laughs> uh, jo- uh joanne um the theory is, and uh, you know some of our members say, we can't get the coverage that they miss the David Blackwell days at the FT so I suppose there's an, there's an investment coverage and there's just the, the 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 corporate coverage. I mean, do you feel that there's less of it about for small and mid cap and um where are the places to go if you can't get the the, the covered slot in Midas? what are the other publications that that you look at to to kind of triangulate the, the sort of stuff that you're looking for?
1: I think Investors Chronicle is a very good um uh place without wanting to necessarily plug a Um uh and uh Shares magazine is another obvious one. Um and there are um I guess also the, the sort of online um or 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 more um specialist publications um that, that people can look to. Um and I think also making their own website as um user-friendly as possible I cannot count the number of times that a PR has said to me um, have you ever considered this particular company and you look at the uh, um, the website and it, you're as baffled by what it does at the end of it as you are at the beginning and I think that's a, a, a very important point that people can often if you're a business um, you know you're busy um, you're running you're selling whatever you, I don't know especially sort of complex things or or non consumer facing stuff any kind of b2b business um it's very easy to make your website overly technical um and i think that can really put people off um even if you get a you know you might get a mention in Shares magazine or 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 the metal sunday or any other um outlet um and when somebody looks on your website they they just think i don't understand this then it's a complete turn off from, the moment they start. So I think that's mm. that really is important. And and also I think, you know, to Charlie's point, putting your business thinking about what people outside your business might be interested in about your business. So it you may be passionate about how many um, you know, electronic components you're selling to, you know, the guy down the road. But um to to us as journalists and to the the readers beyond that isn't necessarily what's going to move the dial you've got to be able to think in in a broader context about what you do and i think that will in itself help to generate coverage have a story
0: hmm. i mean charlie do you agree when whether you're writing uh, you know less likely to be an uh, uh, you know investment piece more likely to be a news piece i mean you you do have to look around at the other coordinates and if and if the and if this website looks like it's um um, you know, being put together with Sellotape, you are, uh, you know, going to be a little bit more wary about the 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 company. You might also be looking at their social channels as well, I guess.
2: Yeah, I think the the language point is so important because I find it incredible the amount of times I'll read, as Joanne said, read a, a web page, read an email with a pitch, and it's got the boilerplate at the bottom, and you're reading through, you click on all the different tabs, particularly with, with fintech tech company, and you still have absolutely no idea what the company does because. They are talking in that that language of innovative solutions, which don't really say anything. And I think it's always a good, you know, thing to whenever you do write one of those sentences, just actually look at it and say, "What what am I trying to say here? Can I say it in more plain language than I have?" Particularly, I think for PR people pitching to journalists, just break it down and talk in really blunt, quite plain English. It really gets to the nub of what the company does because it is so lost in corporate waffle for lack of a better word sometimes um i i think yeah companies could even communicating with as to as said, i'm sure with investors as well and certainly with the media it's better just to spell it out in plain english and and cut the um cut the corporate double speak
0: and to be clear charlie this is not because you're 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 anyway daft it's because there's a huge volume of stuff and actually some incredibly sophisticated ideas that need to get um, communicated in, in five words or, or ten words or something?
2: I think, I mean, probably is slightly because I'm a bit daft as well, but the um, <laughs> there is the, yeah, no one, you know, I can't be ac- across, unfortunately, the, um, the real intricacies of the fintech world as well as covering, and it does, and I think that is probably a, an acceptance that most journalists would have to make. You can't really, you know, understand in that technical detail sometimes what a, a B2B fintech does do. Yeah. Um, and there needs to be that method of communicating in, you know, consumer terms. <clears throat> Sorry.
0: Yeah. Consumer terms. So, yeah. So, and how many? So, uh, you know, what might be a useful guy? How many stories every week are you
2: writing? Think I will probably do. It pushes five a day on a on a um, on a very busy day. Maybe at the moment, probably more like. Yeah, it's three or four. I'd say it's probably the um mm. the standard. And then within that, you know, there'll be maybe three sort of news pieces, and then a a longer interview. Or I probably mm. will try and write one longer feature, which I'll be working on throughout the week. Um, and then I've got a sort of interview slot on a Thursday, so there does tend to be a some variety in that as well.
0: So to paraphrase your the the advice you got at the start of your career, you know, anyone trying to engage with the media must understand that. That the baseline is nobody cares
2: yeah I think. Or
0: nobody's got or nobody's got the time
2: yeah and give you know yeah nobody cares in a in a slightly cynical way of putting it but you know the more productive way of probably looking at it would give people a reason to care about yeah. it and make sure you're trying to you know frame it like that
0: yeah joanne one thing i've heard you're coming into coming into the qca and and it, it talks to some of the issues that that charlie's been covering on capital market reform but also more broadly this feeling that there is a negativity in, in the UK media, and um, quite often I'm the defender in, in the room on that, but I'd love your perspective on it. Um, uh, is the media too negative? Has it, turned, has it turned a corner in the years that you've been involved?
1: Um, I don't think it's turned a corner insofar as becoming more negative. Um, certainly not. Um, I think. People often say that, you know, um, journalists are looking for trouble, they're just um, looking for bad news stories. I don't think that's true. I think what we are looking for um, are stories. Um, And um, I remember when I first started working at uh, your um, former place of work, the Evening Standard, uh, we were forbidden from starting any news stories with. Uh, Barclays Today reported results in line with expectations. Nobody wants to read about something that's expected necessarily, or, or people are less interested in reading about the expected. So um, it, it's not so much about whether uh, about journalists having a, a sort of mindset of negativity. It's more that they're looking for something different, Um you know and sometimes actually conversely i think people are quite keen on good news stories i think we would all love to be reporting that um gdp was uh, going through the roof in the uk right now or uh, interest rates were about to plummet um or you know um uh, mns was now regaining its former glory i mean that sort of story's been written before you know it, it, i i think i think it can be it can seem as if Journalists are routinely negative. Um, I don't think they are exclusively negative by any
0: means. So there is light, there is light and shade. I suppose what you're saying is that the there really are no papers of record um, because there's no time, there's no time to be uh, or resource to be vanilla, if you like. Charlie, what do you what do you make of that question?
2: So I think on the topic of um sort of capital markets reform specifically, it's a very interesting one because I think, you know, you and I were both at that Capital Markets Industry Task Force event um last week. And it's clear that the idea of the media and the, the what they see as a kind of overarching narrative is is really actually informing their thinking. And they I think there's almost some concern that the media narrative and the, you know, the the kind of sense that there'll be a share price plunges 10% after they do float headline, you know, that is putting people off from coming to the city. And I, I think in some ways it's, there's a bit of messenger shooting going on where if you look at the statistics, I think in the first quarter this year, you know, there was IPOs in London fell 80% against the global average about 60. There's, you know, we've fallen now below Istanbul and Italy. I, there is a, you know, I think, and even by the, the very fact that there is this huge reform efforts going into the the market in london shows that there there is an underlying issue the amount of you know political um time and attention it is getting shows there is an issue that needs to be solved so i on the capital markets piece specifically i don't think it is fair to say that the media are being excessively negative i think the figures almost speak for themselves but yeah to the broader point as well we're always you know very willing to tell a positive story when there is a positive story to tell i think um you know as one said it, I don't think people are ex, the journalists are exclusively negative by any means, and it is you know it's a nice thing to do to tell a really good business story in a positive way um and I'm certainly always you know on the lookout for the money there
0: I think the challenge is if the you know if the shares fall um it it would not you 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 would expect the media to report that the shares fell, and i suppose from the qCA point of view we would be looking at how you can bring these companies to market and actually make sure that there isn't an organ rejection and that the buyers and sellers meet in a, um, you know, come to an agreement so that there is something left on the table and that, um, uh, you know, company IPOing the IPO is, is definitely not the end of the story. It's very much should be the, the beginning of the story. And I hope with all the reforms and things that we're talking about, you can bring some of these companies to market earlier and it becomes, and it becomes an easier thing. Um. Joanna, I mean, if the shares fall, you have to write about that, I suppose.
1: A- absolutely, um, and I think with when it comes to IPOs, it, it it's a bit like um, selling your house. You know, you you've invested in it in in it, and you think it's worth X, or your investment bankers or real estate agents are telling you it's worth X, but but actually, um, the market thinks it's it's worth Y, and I think there is that. Element of realism that needs to be injected into any business that's trying to float, and and a a really um, deep thinking about what the prospects are. I mean, I think in the past, you know, the the past couple of years have been really tough. Um, Not. Obviously, a lot of shares that came to market in, say, 2021, a lot of companies, rather, that came to market in 2021, the the share prices are now below the IPO price. But we've had all these extraneous shocks um, that that nobody could have expected. And I don't think you can, it's hard to know who to blame for that type of thing. I I think um, UK institutions, UK big investors, um, and possibly UK retail investors as well are more fearful um, than their US counterparts. Um, we all know that, that say, the US is more of a sort of gung-ho, has a more gung-ho mentality than the UK. Um, it would be nice if they, there was a bit more long-term focus from UK investors, um, but a lot of them just run for the hills at the first sign of trouble. That's not something that journalists can really do much about.
0: And just finally, on on the, one of the other things that comes up when talking about the right or, the, or wrong media coverage, wealth creation, are, are you both intensely relaxed about it as Peter Mandelson was, or um,
2: or, or not? If I go in, the, um, it's interesting because it, I do these these weekly sit downs with business leaders, and one of the topics that that does come up again and again is the UK is naturally squeamish about wealth creation. We don't embrace it in anywhere near the same way that, um, that the U S does for instance, and they do just have a a slightly more entrepreneurial culture. One that embraces entrepreneurialism. And I think one of the interesting points I I sat there with Rishi Cotter, the CEO of Oak North, and he made the point that in the UK, we wouldn't, the average, you know, man or woman on the street wouldn't be able to name an entrepreneur outside Richard Branson or um Dyson for instance and there is this kind of vacuum almost of the great British entrepreneurs who've been building businesses in the last 15 20 years maybe stretching the fight slightly I saw a, a slightly skeptical uh skeptical face there but he you
0: know, no Charlie all I was doing I oh, was sorry to interrupt all I was doing was smiling because there's there's always been a vacuum around Dyson hasn't there <laughs> very good ow yeah, he did <laughs> No, no, I th- but I think you're right, you know, we don't, you know, you, you have, sorry to interrupt your flow, but you, yes, we don't have those, um, uh, the, the figures to follow, and you do need, a, you do need people in, in business to say actually entrepreneurship is great, other than Branson, who I think is now 75.
2: Yeah, exactly, and there is, you know, there are the the founders there with the sort of crop of fintech companies, for instance, that have emerged until the early 2010s and now, you know. Really big players and and sort of challenging some of the the retail banks, for instance. I think there are the founders there. They're good. I'd be interested to look at personalities there. And for some reason, we maybe do have a, a bit more squeamishness in the US. But it's actually something I'll be interesting to look at, even on the share price point you made in the previous question as well. The the point that is constantly made is that the US doesn't do, the, do do what we do and report on a share price falling ten percent, which I I struggled to believe slightly. But I'd be interested to do a a bit of analysis at some point and actually dig in and, and that where the media might be culpable. Yeah.
0: And Joanne, just finally on the wealth point.
1: Uh, am I extremely relaxed about wealth creation? I think I'm extremely keen to see company boards or its chief executive C suite or um, uh, members uh, invested in the companies that they. Um, are leading or that they have founded. Um I think that's a reassuring element. Um I I think I probably don't understand why um a, why anyone needs to earn um a, a salary of 10 million quid a year or 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 more. Um that seems to me um unnecessary to be honest. Um so maybe I am a bit squeamish about that type of thing, but um I certainly think that it's 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 great to see businesses doing well and company chief executives being involved in that um, in, in, in that success so, great.
0: well, a, po- a positive point to finish on. and um uh, Joanne Charlie, thank you so much for joining me on Growth Capital. A pleasure That was a great episode thanks to our guests and to our sponsor Mazar the audit tax and advisory firm helping listed businesses grow with purpose if you want to listen to more episodes of growth capital from the QCA you can subscribe on Spotify or Apple please follow us on LinkedIn or on Twitter at quoted companies and if you have questions comments or future topics that we should cover please get in touch